The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Potted Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to take a moment and share a word from our sponsor. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is happy to be the proud sponsor of the Premier Dance Network. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer of the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premier. It takes a dancer who wears a leotard all day to know what is best in a leotard. So Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body and won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that includes ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angela Luzio shoes. You may view all the products at www.bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Wrappers, go to dancewearcorner.com or your favorite online dance apparel retailer for all their products. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. I hope that you are still not full from all of your turkey and stuffing and pecan and pumpkin pie or my personal favorite green bean casserole. (laughs) I hope you all didn't miss me too much since I am now podcasting bi-monthly and blogging on my new Dancing Offstage platform on the opposite weeks. You'll get used to it soon, I promise. We are now officially launched into the heart of the holiday season. From Black Friday today to Hanukkah, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever else you you celebrate, and then New Year's, we are officially in it to win it. For all of you beginning the long haul of Nutcracker season married, I hope you stay injury-free and please don't lose your mind. (laughs) For those of you that find yourself in New York City, please stop by Broadway Dance Center and come take some of my classes for some extra holiday cheer. Tomorrow, Saturday, 11.25, I will be teaching an intermediate ballet class at 4.30 p.m. I also have a few intermediate classes coming up throughout uh, the holiday season, so you can check out my Facebook page where I post my, my class schedule weekly. Also, on Sundays, I have a basic ballet class at 6 p.m., Tuesdays, beginner ballet at 10.30 a.m., and Fridays, I have an advanced beginner ballet class at 6 p.m. If you want to work off some turkey, get in shape for your sugar plum or cavalier, or just need to get warm, come on in and join me for class. I've actually had a few listeners take over the past few weeks, and it's always fun to hear from you guys and see you in person. Uh, I was really amused when one of my listeners who took my class, uh, I think it was on Friday, it was Friday or Sunday, and they told me that it was 
very interesting for them to actually see my voice come out of my my face <laughs> because they're so used to listening to me on here and to actually like see the person that that voice comes out of was very uh it was an interesting experience for them uh that really amused me so i hope to see more of you guys in there and remember please do come up to me and let me know i love meeting you all now i know you're all thinking what in the world will barry talk about this week <laughs> and i can already hear the gasps of shock and surprise Oh my God, he's talking about thankfulness this week. How did he ever come up with this topic? Well, yes, I'm so innovative that I want to discuss being thankful. But instead of just telling you what I'm thankful for, I'm going to talk about finding thankfulness in your practice. I'm a big yoga fan and I use my practice often to stretch my tired and sore muscles and to improve my strength and balance. But perhaps most important for me is to is using it to center myself emotionally. I don't practice as much as I used to, but with my new home base in New York City and having more free time, well, not a lot of free time, but having a little bit of free time, I'm working on bringing more yoga back into my life. I was recently taking a yoga class from my colleague, student, and friend, Amber Paul, at Broadway Dance Center, where she teaches yoga that is specifically catered to the needs of dancers, and I was reminded part of the reason I love yoga so much. After a short meditation at the beginning of class, she dedicated our practice to compassion. I love that idea and how I could use my practice to be more compassionate to, uh, towards others, as well as being more compassionate towards myself in and out of the studio. I was thinking about that today when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about on here, and I was thinking how we can all bring a bit more thanks into our, our dance practices. Thanks, appreciation, thankfulness, all the same thing. Ballet, contemporary, modern, tap, and beyond are all very specific and particular areas of our art form that require precision, openness to odd, out-of-the-box uh, out concepts, exhaustive physical activities, strength, flexibility, and more. It's no surprise that so many people that latch onto the art form of dance tend to be perfectionists that only grow to become more neurotic as time passes. From refining the art of a pirouette, to balancing in an adagio, to retaining material at lightning speed, jumping higher, and maintaining one's performance figure, dancers can find themselves hypercritical, obsessed with the negative and fixing it, stressed, anxious, and sometimes even bitter about their product or their process to get to their product. This is sad considering all the time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears put into our instrument. For this reason, it is no surprise that dancers probably burn out more often than most other athletes or even people in most careers. I think if we can all find a way to bring more thankfulness into our practice, kind of like a dedication in yoga, we can all be healthier emotionally and physically as we continue dancing. I had a major trauma occur in the final years of my training. Um, it's kind of a complicated story, but I, I knew that I was going to leave home and train for my senior year of high school because I had kind of packed everything into my junior year so that I could make that happen. Um, I was supposed to go to Houston Ballet Academy for the year, but something told me that I should try to go to the School of American Ballet. So after accepting my full year uh, program spot in at Houston Ballet Academy, I had a, a little bit of time before I had to actually go down there and I felt the need to go audition for School of American Ballet because I was actually inspired to transition from musical theater and jazz into uh, 
ballet after watching some School of American Ballet students being a part of uh, a Nutcracker in Wilmington, Delaware. And I, it had been my dream. So I figured why not go and audition and try to get into the school, even though I had already accepted uh, a position at Houston Ballet Academy after attending their summer program. So I went up to the School of American Ballet and I told them that I had to make a quick decision and asked if they could give me a, a quick uh, response after the audition as to whether they were going to accept me for the year or not. Um, so I auditioned and the next day I gave them a call and I asked them if they would be able to give me my results. And the registrar of the school was frankly quite cold and not very friendly. She goes, no. And I go, oh, I'm sorry, but they, they told me that I, I could find out my results because I have to find, I have to say yes or no to whether I'm going to Houston Ballet Academy. I have to let them know. Um, and she goes, that was your answer. And uh, a good, and she goes, goodbye, sir. And I was like in shock, but I very quickly, I was like, wait, 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 is there, are there any notes on my file so that I can at least know what I can work on? So then in the future I could potentially get into the school. And she goes, the notes say generally poor technique and extremely large quadriceps. And she goes, goodbye. And she hangs up the phone. Um, I was devastated. We were in my mom. My mom used to own a dollar store and we were in her, st- I was in the back of her store and I came out and I remember trying to get the words out and just like sobbing at the front <laughs> at the register. Um, so long story short, I, I just felt that I shouldn't go to Houston Ballet Academy and I ended up going to the Kirov Academy of Ballet that year in Washington, D.C. instead. But I, one thing that happened was I very quickly digested that information that was given to me by my dream school uh, about my legs and technique as true. And I thought that it was absolutely necessary to resolve these issues as quickly as possible because I was 17 turning 18 and I felt I didn't have that much time. It wasn't easy to fix the flaws in my technique, but I knew that I could change that if I gave every day of training my all. But what I wasn't sure I could fix was the shape of my legs and the size of my quadriceps. I began stretching obsessively, probably about one to two hours a day outside of class. I also started cross-training cardio and limiting what I was eating. I had one goal, and that was to be a professional dancer, and I would do whatever it took to fix that. I was a bit blindsided one day when I was called into our school counselor's office. Yeah, at the Kirov Academy of Ballet, we lived there. Like we, Our dorms were upstairs. We danced in the studios downstairs. We had our academics in, down the hall from the studios downstairs. We ate lunch downstairs. Um, it, it was kind of like a one-stop shop. Like We did everything in that building. So um, we even had a school counselor in our homes. <laughs> but anyway, so I was called into the school counsel's office um, because somebody had expressed concern that my workout and eating and stretching behavior had changed so abruptly. It wasn't that I had developed an eating disorder, but I guess I was displaying some behaviors that could have been seen as leading to one. So after a few conversations with the counselor, it was determined that I had really taken the comment about my leg size too much to heart, and my teacher was brought in to reinforce that. While my legs were bulky, my legs were fine for dance. It was discussed that I should continue stretching to elongate my legs, which I honestly eventually ended up working on and improved, but it was also determined that I needed to go back to my normal eating schedule. The final step of the process was that I had to write a letter expressing thankfulness and appreciation to my legs for all that they do for me. I mean, to be completely honest, this exercise felt extremely silly. But once I got over the mental hump of the idea that I was writing a letter to a part of my body, asking it for forgiveness and to uh, 
show appreciation to them. I, I came to realize that I was doing emotional harm to myself by being so negatively critical about, about myself. Every part of my body is important to me. And while being critical and judgmental isn't a bad thing for an aspiring dancer, hating yourself for that quality isn't worth it. So from there, I began incorporating different ideas of how to appreciate what I was doing. Every dancer doesn't need to write a letter to parts of their bodies or to themselves as a whole to show thankfulness, but there are a few things you can do to maintain physical and emotional health in your practice through thankfulness. Thankfulness. I'm going to say thankfulness a lot in this podcast. <laughs> it can be easy to get caught up in the political side of casting and promotions, in the exhaustion of hard work and critical inspection of your toll. But the first thing I that I enforced in my practice was some advice given to me by a dancer retiring from Miami City Ballet as I was beginning my career with Houston Ballet. I was I was attending uh, some classes at my home dance studio that I was raised at um, back in 2003, right before I left to join Houston Ballet. And uh, our teacher was had just left Miami City Ballet, and she was uh, teaching us at, at that at her school. And she was asking me after class where what I was doing, where I was going. And she said, Hey, I want to just give you this advice. She said, when I first went into my career, I was so excited to be there. Everything felt so new and fresh and I, I was ready to work hard. Um, but I just happened to become friends with some people that were extremely negative in the company. And all of a sudden the things that I really appreciated uh, well, well, sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So she ended up surrounding herself with some some of the negative people. And at first, she didn't be- agree with or believe what they were saying. And she kind of just like wrote it off, but she kept on hanging out with these people. But she said that over time, as things became more difficult, she started to appreciate things less. And she actually started to become one of those negative people. So her advice to me, which was some of the best Christ, uh, advice I've ever gotten, um, was to make sure that you surround yourself with positive people, people that are appreciative, people that are thankful. Um, and if you do that, yeah, of course, you're going to have moments where you are going to be negative and you might be bitter or jaded, but you'll be less likely to have those moments and they probably won't last as long. So if you make sure that you surround yourself with with positive people, it can really help benefit you and keep you appreciative of the fact that you are in such an incredible field. Another thing uh, that really helps teach you to be thankful and this, I mean, this is, it happens to everybody and you can't really gauge when it's going to happen, but it's the idea of just thinking about what it's like to be injured or what it's like to be ill. Um, I mean, I've had this with injuries. I had uh, an umbilical hernia repair. It's right at your belly button. Um, I had a really bad year where I had strep throat seven times. I got my tonsils out, which led to me finding out that I actually had mono the whole time. And then six months later, my appendix almost burst. So I missed a lot of time that year. And I remember, um, like there were probably times at that point where I was like, "Ugh, like I'm too tired. I don't want to take class or I'm not being cast well. And I'm going to go in and stand in rehearsal and do this little dance that I don't even really like. Um, and I wasn't appreciating it. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't dance. I was either laying on the couch for a month with, a pen, with the, um, the mono, or I couldn't get out of bed because of the appendicitis, or if I hurt my back, I couldn't get up or I couldn't get in the studio. So when when you feel those moments where, where things, the going's get getting tough, 
just remind yourself if you haven't been injured or if you haven't been ill, um, just know that there will be a time that you won't be able to dance. Um, and dancers, as they age and as they, they go through these experiences, what you start to learn is that even <laughs> no matter what, if you're not in the studio, you're going to want to be in the studio. If something is keeping you from being in the studio, you are going to miss being in the studio. If you can't get on stage, uh, it, it's going to be painful to watch other people on stage and, and not ha- not be on stage with them. Um, so I really found a lot of appreciation for my time in, in the studio, on stage, working hard, taking class in rehearsal. Um, no matter what the situation is, I found it... Uh, that I was much more appreciative of my time whenever I considered that there was the truth that I could be hurt and not able to dance. So I think that's really good to keep that type of thing in mind. Um, every time that you walk into the studio, even if you're having a hard day, just remind yourself, I might, I could be hurt, I could be ill, and something could go wrong, and I could not be here right now. All right, if you are dancing professionally, you're probably quite a good dancer. This is my next area of thought here. Uh, yes, you could be better. We all could be better. But I remember this weird phenomenon at uh, Pacific Northwest Ballet that certain dancers didn't think that they could dance a solo or pas de deux because of their general casting or how people were perceiving them in the company. I figured this out quickly, and it was really valuable to me in maintaining my appreciation for my talent and those surrounding me. Most of us at PNB were at the top of our classes in the best ballet schools in the country. This meant that we were often performing principal roles, almost as if the school was a company, we would have been the principal dancers. Once we got into our prospective or respective companies, um, some directors gave certain people opportunities and some let other dancers waste away in menial roles, or not necessarily waste away, but let them slowly build themselves through menial roles and some move forward out of those and some didn't. Um, but I found over time that certain dancers not only lost confidence in their capabilities, but they actually forgot that they were capable of dancing soloist and leading roles as kids, let alone adults. It's not like they lost that responsibility, not responsibility, but it's not like they lost the ability to actually be able to perform them. They just aren't being given them. It really was the role of the director to instill confidence in certain dancers to reinforce what they already knew they could do or had already achieved. As a union delegate at PNB, I often found myself in casting conversations outside of my own career, and I tried to help dancers appreciate themselves more by reminding them that they were capable of performing certain roles. They just needed to remember that they had done them before, or they needed the opportunities to be offered to them to build their confidence that they could do them again. So my advice to you is that when a string of bad casting strikes, keep on working hard and stay positive and focus on appreciating that you are in an amazing company and that everybody in those companies are amazing. Even those who are perceived as the worst dancers in those companies are still amazing dancers. And maybe focus on your confidence just as much as your technique. Or if you find that you have a little extra time and studio space and energy, you can take one of those videos that the company has and start learning things yourself and start practicing them. And who knows, maybe a ballet master or mistress will walk by and peek into the studio and then mention to the director that they saw you working on something. There's You never know where opportunities are going to come from. And sometimes it's quite surprising where they do come from. So... Uh, Add that 
that idea into your your practice. And I bet you will be a lot more thankful for what you're doing. And you'll actually appreciate that you have more to offer, even if somebody isn't giving you the opportunity at this moment to to offer that. Lastly, I feel that most dancers suffer from this thing I call post-career selective memory. (laughs) Obviously, nobody knows about this until they're out of their career. Um, And this is probably a good thing when you are in a career, working hard, fighting through the competition, trying to fit as much success into the short burst of your performance life. It can be easy to get caught up in the, the moment and forget how thankful you are to live and dance in your passion. There's so many people that hate their jobs. There's so many people that don't enjoy what what they're doing um and dancers are lucky that at least for periods of their careers they they get to experience that many dancers leave this career bitter like dance has done something wrong to them (laughs) you did me wrong dance um (laughs) and it seems that they may never appreciate what a magical life we get to lead in our art form But what caught me off guard the first few times uh, this selective memory happened was how after some time away from the stage, every single former dancer I've talked to, even the most jaded of jaded dancers, only remembers how amazing it was to walk into work and dance to a live pianist. That time that all of their friends were working at 9pm and acting and laughing at an inside joke in the moment on stage in front of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people. They remember the orchestra tuning and the feelings of nervous excitement as the show is about to begin. That cold rush of the air that flies onto the stage as the curtain goes up. The chills on their skin as dozens of musicians play their favorite classical music. The gratification of gasping for air as you push yourself to limits that you didn't even know that you had in front of an audience of people. The feeling of pride as thousands of people clap for you, effort, you effort, <laughs> your effort simultaneously, and the hugs and the camaraderie felt after achieving all of this alongside your friends. In certain moments, it can be hard to feel thankful to be in our competitive, physically exhausting, emotionally draining art form, but there is so much for you to be thankful for in your practice, in your performance, and your career. It is perfectly fine to have bad moments, but don't get caught up in a moment when the big picture is so much more amazing than all of the small pieces that build it. So with all of that said, I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope that this podcast helps offer you some insight in how how to bring more thankfulness into your practice. If you have any ways that you uh, help cultivate appreciation into your practice, go ahead and please do send me a message. I would love to to hear what other people do. Um, maybe I can even incorporate some of it into my practice. I mean, it's not like I have everything figured out all the time. I, I learn from you guys just as much as you guys learn from me. So I always appreciate it when you reach out to me and, and share your insights. Um, and you guys all know that you can go ahead and send me a message on my my website contact page, which I am about to let you know um, in our closing credits. So with that, one last time, I know I've said it a hundred times in this episode, but again, I hope that you have a happy Thanksgiving. I hope that your Black Friday is not too crazy. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys as we head into the Nutcracker and the holiday season. 
All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorlis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast, just like body rappers. <laughs> <laughs> or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly to premierdancenetwork.com. That's P-R-E-M-I-E-R dancenetwork.com. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Dancing Offstage, which is an informational blog about the post-performance careers of professional dancers, a brand new one. And then I also have Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I blogged for five years about the lives of freelance artists. I also have a YouTube channel, B. Corollis, featuring my choreography, and you can find that by searching B. Corollis on YouTube. Thanks for listening in to Pod to Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk, dance with me, and remember to go out and support your local dance scene.